on today's episode of Policy Wise. When slavery and the emancipation happened and slavery was so-called abolished, um, the 13th Amendment, it reads of the federal constitution that slavery is uh, prohibited except for punishment of a crime. That exception um, is what allows for folks that are deemed criminals to be forced into labor. Um, and the exploitation of human beings is, is happening on a mass scale inside of uh, the criminal justice system. I came out of prison after being um, everything from an engineer to uh, cleaning toilets, actually being a state employee for all of those years of incarceration and came out with no savings, no no 401k, no medical care, nothing. We're still being traded on, on, on the New York Stock Exchange to privatize prisons um, and our labor is, is what's being bought. They couldn't operate at the scale that they do without this forced slave labor. Pretty much modern day slavery, not only our prisons and jails, but detention centers, uh, juvenile halls, it's happening in a lot of places where the so-called justice system is present. If you're not including lived experience inside of, of that solution, then you're missing a very large portion of the equation. Welcome back to PolicyWise. I'm your host, Michael Weoffel. Hi, it's Ellie. And we're here with ABC, the Abolish Bondage Collective. Hey, how's it going? Uh, Geronimo Aguilar here. I serve as a policy analyst with Legal Services for Prisoners with Children, as well as a, a organizer and proud member of All of Us or None. We have organized the ABC uh, Collective, Abolish Bondage Collectively campaign to uh, address the issue of involuntary servitude or slavery by another name. Uh, pretty much modern day slavery that is happening inside of places of incarceration, not only our prisons and jails, but um, detention centers, uh, juvenile halls. Um, it's happening in uh, a lot of places where the so-called justice system, um, you know, is present. And so um, just to give a little background about ABC, we started uh, about February of last year. Um, I was a policy fellow at the time with this organization and um, our executive director, Dorsey Nunn, who uh, really has a, a large um, and long standing history in the movement. Um, really, really a, a legend uh, when it comes to organizing and, and um, you know, fighting for the human and civil rights of incarcerated and formerly incarcerated peoples. Um, he he uh, wanted us to come up with a campaign and to come up with a name for our, our, um, our plan to tackle the issue of involuntary servitude or slavery. So for those of you that don't know, um, when slavery and the emancipation happened and slavery was abolished, so-called abolished um, the 13th amendment it reads of the federal constitution that slavery is uh, prohibited um, except for uh, punishment of a crime and so that exception um, is what allows for uh, folks that are deemed criminals so those that are within the uh, criminal justice system uh, to be forced into labor um, and to be basically underpaid vastly underpaid or not paid at all in some states and so um, it, it, our California constitution mirrors the 13th amendment um, in article one, section six, it reads exactly the same that slavery is prohibited except for punishment of a crime. And so um, ACA three is uh, uh, assembly constitutional amendment three is the legislation that was introduced by uh, Sidney Kamlager um, and the um, ACA three coalition. Um, so they introduced the, the the bill itself, um, ACA3, but this is an issue that um, 
you know, folks like Dorsey Nunn and the, the giants of the movement, you know, from back in the day and, and dating back to like critical resistance, um, you know, those of you that might be familiar with George Jackson and uh, a lot of the organizing that went on in the prisons um, in California and nationwide. Um, this is something that folks have been organizing against for a long time, you know, and, and uh, pointing out that slavery is present, that it's alive, that it's well, and that this system is still profiting off of free labor um, and disproportionately of uh, African and indigenous peoples. So um, here in California, as we started studying the issue, we just noticed that, um, you know, here in California, especially we have a unique relationship with slavery, um, you know, dating back to before California was even, uh, you know, colonized, um, you know, the Spanish missions that uh, occurred here where indigenous people were slaved and forced into servitude all the way up until the gold rush um, where the Greaser Act of 1855 forced Mexicans who were mixed with indigenous into slavery as well. So, um, you know, we just wanted to point out that slavery touches uh, people of color and all people here in the U.S. in such a unique way. And uh, it's time that we end it. So we're seeing those same things that happened in 1850 with the Act for Government and Protection of Indians Act and 1855, like I said, with the Greaser Act, we're seeing that happen today. And today it's in the form of all of my brothers and sisters here that have been incarcerated, myself as well, um, for anything from, you know, petty stuff to the system setting you up to, to fail, you know what I mean? And so you end up incarcerated and you end up being forced to um, be dehumanized and give up your body for labor. And so this is something that we fiercely stand against uh, firmly. Um, and so we launched this ABC coalition and this campaign. And so uh, we were able to introduce a resolution to San Francisco and we passed the resolution there um, last year, introduced by Matt Haney, who now is an assembly member. We also passed a resolution in the city of Oakland, uh, denouncing structural racism, vestiges of slavery and in favor of and in support of ACA3. And so with that said, I'm not gonna take any more time kind of given the background of the campaign, but it's been an honor to work on this issue. Um, and, and me, though I have some history of incarceration, um, I fortunately have never been subject to having to, to work um, in a systemic way inside of a, in, inside of a prison or jail and being forced to do labor. So I'm gonna pass it to some of our brothers and sisters that have, and to just, you know, make this, this um, experience very real for you all that when we talk about slavery, like it's not hyperbole, we're not just trying to use buzzwords, like slavery is happening um, and the exploitation of human beings is, is happening on a mass scale inside of uh, the criminal justice system. Thank you for that for that explanation. It, and maybe some of the listeners have watched a documentary on Netflix called 13th. Um, that I've watched a few times that really starts to dive into this issue, highlights it with some some great visuals and brings some other folks to, to talk about it. So I think that that's just the easy way to find out a lot more easy access. But of course, folks can can do their own research. With that said, I'll pass it to Alyssa Moore, who is a policy fellow with Legal Services for Prisoners with Children. And I've had the honor of working with Hi, my name is Alyssa Moore. I was incarcerated at the age of 17. I ended up serving 23 years and paroled um, a little after 40. So I came out of prison after being everything from an engineer to uh, cleaning toilets, actually being a state employee for all of those years of incarceration and came out with no, no savings, no 401k, no medical care, nothing, right? This leaves us that come out um, obviously feeling like we were, you know, robbed uh, using, you, you know, our labor and in 
in a traditional sense, people get vacations, people get earned time off and all of those things. Those are not any um, luxuries that we have inside. We work five days a week, sometimes more, um, without vacation, without pay. We, um, we are essentially slaves of the state. We're still being traded on, on, on the New York Stock Exchange to privatize prisons. Um, and our labor is, is what's being bought. You know, essentially, we as human beings are still being bought. I don't think that's an issue that, you know, the everyday person even thinks about. Um, they think that, you know, we were, we're being punished, we're sent to prison, and that's, you know, that's that. That statement alone, we're dehumanized, and um, we're humans, and I'm, I'm just happy to be of service and be here to put a face to, to our, our campaign. I'm curious about just how much the private sector, because there's, it, it seems like it's, a, it's both a private issue and a public issue to where the state is, is employing, um, folks in not paying them much and having them do work but then the private sector is also selling them on the stock exchange we can't even we can't even call it employing because we don't have a choice in this matter if we do not um, conform to whatever position that they place us in because they really line us up like cattle they put us through a physical just like in nazi germany and they see what labor we're fit for it's, it's not a choice. That's one thing that we have to do away with. We are, it's not, we're not given a choice. We are assigned these work assignments and we have to do them. So, so I would never even use the word employ in, in, in connection with an incarcerated individual, right? Because they don't have a choice. Um, and, and if, if they're, if they refuse to do these jobs, they're punished. The, the amount of food they are allowed to have is, 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 um, is, you know, diminished, um, you know, the, uh, allow the access to hygiene items to even take a, a shower and wash their body is, is, um, limited. The amount of exercise and sunlight that they are allowed to have is, is severely limited. Um, you know, the amount of access that they have to their families is severely limited. They're allowed no phone calls. Um, so I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy really to even say employee um, because yeah, we're not employed. The, the reason why I raised that is uh, mainly because it's kind of a, both a private issue to where it's being sold on the stock exchange, mm -hmm. it's private run right. prisons, but then the state very much so has a role to play. Yeah, in because and so um, they they also benefit um, immensely because they couldn't operate at the scale that they do without this forced slave labor force that they have at their command. Um, they they have what's called the prison industry authority, and they produce multiple products that are used throughout um, California and I, I believe other states as well. Um, and they couldn't produce this mass production of products at a low to no cut rate um, without this slave labor force, right? And they couldn't even run the prisons at the capacity that they are without this slave labor force that they have at their disposal, right? So, um, so yeah, it's it, even though, you know, privatized prisons are getting this horrible name, let's not forget, you know, California needs to bear um, the the uh, brunt of the the horrible name because they are essentially the biggest buyers in this economy of slaves. I, I absolutely agree. The point I want to drive here is that the state is essentially allowing these privatized prisons 
to have slaves. Right. And that is yeah, it's very it's, it's the new slave market. Exactly. They are they are they are the new um traffickers. Exactly. And I well, want to no, make sure I won't say new. <laughs> <laughs> I won't say new cuz they've been doing it, you know. It's just that this is a new movement that we're bringing it to light. Absolutely. I want to make that direct linkage from private owned slaves from the 1800s to continuing private owned slaves today also being allowed by the state you know and and it's crazy that you know most people don't don't make the connection you know that the new york stock exchange is the new slave market right they they don't make that connection it's 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 not talked about and this is what this is what we're all trying to do here today yeah well i appreciate i appreciate being a part of this well thank you Alyssa, for helping helping me and the Mm -hmm. listeners learn I think Alyssa brought up a very, very um, critical and important um, point. Um, GEO is actually traded on the stock exchange. And right now, GEO is one of the leading so-called reentry programs uh, in the San Francisco Bay Area and probably in California. Um, and, and when we talk about private um, versus um, public, you know, um, the truth is I don't necessarily see a difference. Um, it's still the ownership of labor um, in which the person who actually performs the labor does not benefit um, from their overall labor. We have people who have spent 30, 40, and in, in many cases, 50 years behind bars, and they're, they're coming home as senior citizens um, without a pension, um, without any 401k, but having worked the last 30, 40 years inside of the walls of a prison and they're coming home literally with nothing um, but $200, which is probably enough to get them home, um, maybe buy a sweatsuit to wear home and a meal. Um, you, can't even, you can't even buy yourself shelter for a night um, for $200 in the Bay Area, right? Um, 80, $80.7 billion is spent on public and private prisons. Uh, I mean, public... Uh, and, and, and prisons and county jails um, throughout California. When we're talking $80 billion, nearly $81 billion that is spent on prisons. Um, and this is this is like, wh- where's the difference between public and, and private? When people, I worked, I spent my last eight years of my incarceration and I'm pretty sure um, very few, uh, if any, of your listeners who does not who do not have the experience of incarceration will be able to guess what my job was the last eight years of my incarceration. Uh, I worked as a video technician for San Quentin Television inside the walls of a prison. So my job was to pr- produce media inside the prison and to run our 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 institution's closed circuit system, which involved programming. Um, channels and movies and other things um, um, for the prison. Nobody would guess that. And I was paid uh, a whopping 37 cents an hour um, to perform those duties, right, um, for eight years. Now, imagine me working as a video technician in the community, how much money that I could have saved um, over an eight-year period of time. However, um, a soup costs 25 cents. Deodorant, you know, uh, at that time was probably three or four dollars 
um, for a thing of deodorant. So I have to work nearly a day's worth of wages just to buy a stick of deodorant. Right. Um, and it gets worse as we go across the country. I know we talk about Angola. They're paid two or three cents if they're paid at all. And there are many places across the uh, across the um, California as well where people are paid little uh, to no wages, um, uh, uh, provided little or no compensation. As, as Alyssa and Hieronimo pointed out, um, we we don't we don't have the ability um, to say no. If you say no, then that means your connection with your family. That means your meals. That means your ability to 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 even um, provide what kind of little. Um, taking care of yourself that you could um, to provide any kind of means of, of being able to take care of yourself is, is so greatly diminished. Um, and, and on top of that, you're locked inside your cell. Um, so sometimes people just go to work just so that they don't have to be locked inside their cells. Now imagine us keeping somebody all that time, um, forcing them into labor, not giving them proper compensation for their labor, um, being put through the horrors and the abuses um, of being inside a prison um, for all of this time and then they're released and they're given $200 and then the state is wondering why there's such a high recidivism rate of people coming home um, and especially then people come home and now they're looked at as unemployable when the truth is that they've been running the prison systems that they've been in. There's not a guard inside a prison system that won't um, privately if not publicly acknowledged that they could not run the prison but for um, the lifers and but for um, the, the incarcerated population who does who, who do the bulk of the work um, inside um, inside of those uh, um, of those systems right um, so we're, we're saying that this you know this this type has an end like we're we're creating a cycle and by we um, I'm talking about the people um, in the state of California uh, and the people across this country uh, are creating a cycle of perpetuating incarceration as a means of, 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 of providing free labor. Um, Susanville, one of the prisons that is slated to close, um, the governor slated to close down Susanville. They're, they're arguing not to close Susanville because it would create uh, economic disparity for the people who live in Susanville. Like they're saying, don't close it down because our economy will be affected if you close down the prison. They're actually publicly saying that. Like, and and this is on news channels across. So, you know, I could it, it's so it's crazy, right? And I, you know, I could, I could go, you know, on and on. Yeah. Well, I mean, Troy, I think you I, you touched on obviously a lot of really, really important points. And I think that one that I've been thinking of and I'm kind of curious about as well is obviously not only do you, I mean, you're incarcerated, you don't have a choice on if you can work or not. You're pushed into some type of job that then you get severely underpaid for. But a lot of times they are high level jobs, like being a video technician, where you could be making large amounts of money if you were not incarcerated. And then you talked about you leave prison and you're considered unemployable. Do is something that the ABC or yeah, abolish bondage collectively 
Do you guys focus at all on trying to establish maybe also support systems so that people who work certain jobs when they are incarcerated, once they leave, they can carry that career experience into their life after prison? Because obviously that doesn't happen most of the time when we see people leave prison and then they're deemed unemployable. Well, I'll just say this real quickly that um, us working here at Legal Services for Prisons with Children is what, um, you know, both Dorsey and Hamdia have set out to accomplish here by establishing this organization because it is um, led and ran by formerly incarcerated men and women, right, who have a, uh, have levels of expertise that society put, probably would not understand. Now, our, our levels of expertise may not fit into the um, to the buckets that people um, assume, but you can go all you want and get a theoretical degree on how to deal with criminology, and yet you have people who have spent, you know, uh, I spent a quarter of a century inside of the prison system as a juvenile and as an adult, and I'm saying that you can go and get whatever theoretical model, model that you want to try to deal with it, but if you're not including lived experience inside of, of that solution, then you're missing a very large portion of the equation. Essentially, like when an individual comes out and they've had um, jobs like Troy has or as an engineer or um, other types of high paying jobs that would be, you know, that obviously they would be compensated for. Let's not also forget that, you know, there's dangerous jobs, many dangerous jobs. I just did an interview with a woman that's over 60 that was working on the food docks and everybody in the prison system knows you don't want to work on the docks. It's one of the most dangerous jobs. You're handling two 200 pound food carts at a time and sometimes they weigh more when they're full right and you're you're working with hydraulic lifts i avoided it like the plague my whole incarceration you know but um this lady was almost 70 years old at the time she was working on the docks and um some of these jobs are very dangerous um jobs so you know while some of some of the jobs may be more skilled there are dangerous labor jobs too that being said, anyone that would have held these positions as a state employee for the state of California, you wouldn't consider unemployable, right? So, I mean, I think after this is passed, one of the next things moving forward would be getting that type of documentation for incarcerated folks, you know, because uh, I myself personally, essentially, I was a uh, state employee for the state of California for 23 years, because since you guys are saying I was employed and I wasn't slave labor, let's go ahead and document that um, and make me an employable individual. Um, you know, I'm just saying. I, I would, it would, it would, it would make me more so employable and credible since I worked for the state of California for 23 years, right? I just wanted to say a little something about economies being reliant on slave labor is something that that you brought up, Troy, um, and that's that's very consistent with the 1800s. The entire South relied on it to survive, and so right when you know slavery was abolished, quote unquote. Um, sharecropping immediately took place because the economy relied on involuntary servitude so heavily. And what I'm hearing, what I'm hearing from, from you is that we still have that. Local communities are still relying on involuntary servitude to exist. 
and we should never have local economies built on that. And that's what we mean by equitable, sustainable economies should not be built on involuntary uh, servitude. And, and so we have to think about that when we're thinking about economic development in general. Many people probably don't think about what's going on with the criminal justice system when it comes to economic development. And so maybe folks listening in that are interested in economic development, this is for you too. I wanted to uh, kind of like shine the light on another aspect of this, which we had kind of recently uh, stumbled into as this study that was showing how uh, defense contractors, so we're talking about the military industrial complex, right? So a third of all defense contracts actually use prison labor, uh, cheap prison labor for, you know, we're talking about, you know, um, weapons, bullets, all this stuff that they use to obviously terrorize black and brown people all over the world. And so I just want to, we also are, you know, we're, we're exploring all of these different, you know, what they say, follow the money, right? And so we're seeing, um, you know, when you look at the roots of these things, how a lot of it is rooted in um, this kind of mass oppression, but also capitalization um, off of the bodies of black and brown uh, people disproportionately. But in the prison system, we know it affects all people. And so that's why with ABC, we're, we built a multicultural uh, coalition in front um, that represents all people. Uh, but yeah, Brother Marvin, I want to get him in here to talk about his powerful, his powerful story. And can I can I can I say this just quickly that like like because the point is that they're like what they do is that if you start to hear things in the news about um, disruptions inside the prison and things like that that are going on, they're actively moving towards um, putting opposing groups. Um, together on prison yards right now so that there can be a large disturbance inside the prison and then they're going to film this and there's going to be a riot and they're going to film it and they're going to act like this is the reason why we need prisons when behind the scenes that they're setting this type of stuff up so i just want to say that because when you mentioned like the trickery goes into convincing people that this is what is needed when actuality they're behind creating a disturbance and then they present the disturbance as though this is why we need this and really they're convincing people to fall into um, the perception that we need to enslave people and in, 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 under the skies of keeping people safe yeah sorry about that Marvin no no you're good you're good brother I don't want the narrative to be like oh people in jail are against working like they don't want to work that's not you know it because like a lot of us like that's the only way we have to like survive or take care of ourselves. You get, you gotta remember, there's folks that have been there, um, ten, twenty, thirty years, where like all of their family has either passed away or no longer supports, and you know, so that premise, um, I, I don't want that to to get lost right there because what we're talking about here is involuntary and coerced labor, um, that you know, when done, we should be compensated like like you know, Troy Troy was saying like. Imagine like what his bank account would look like right now. And even 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 from that, like, you know, the more you work, the more you contribute to your own retirement, even when it just comes to SS, you know, Social Security. So a lot of folks got got that cut from them, you know, so they're we're already essentially starting our lives like Alyssa and, and, and all of us. I did 10 years. Um, we, we're starting, you know, um, we're starting over and we're starting like 20, 30 years behind everyone else. You know, so equitably, equitably, we we get affected economically as well. And the other thing I want to say is like getting, you know, ACA three um, 
is going to be on the ballot in November and it's probably going to pass. It's probably, you know, um, the language from the California Constitution, which is Section 1, Article 3, which states that, you know, it could be used, you know, uh, sl uh, slavery can be used for a means of punishment. It probably will be removed from the Constitution because, you know, California, we pride ourselves in being progressive and all that. But um, the fact that it's been there so long, you know, but now that people find out about it, it's probably going to be removed. But the work is not done because we're just going to remove that language which should have never, ever been on there. And then we're going after the 13th Amendment next, which it has the exact, exact same language, you know, and that's for the whole U.S. Constitution. So um, getting rid of that language doesn't mean that CDCR is not still going to keep doing what they're doing. You know, they're still going to try to keep, you know, whole people, you know, um, in cages, in their cell, you know, you know by their cell isolation, um, if they don't conform to, you know, to 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 their forced labor that they have, because there are people that like like Alyssa was saying, when they line you up and they're like, hey, this guy, hey, he he got broad shoulders, put him on the yard and dig holes or, you know, fix up the, the you know, whatever. You know, this guy's pretty old, put him, in, you know, passing out bag lunches or whatever. Um, there's some people that don't make the cut. You know, some people got mental health issues or whatever. They are, you know. Subject to being in their cell for longer periods of time, uh, which has been proven that's not you know uh, healthy for you know for your mental health and all that. Um, also, there's people that are like you know what I'm not gonna do it. I don't want to. So you know we got those folks too that are you know doing you know unusual, cruel and unusual punishment behind not joining this this you know enslaved labor. And the other thing I want to say is like. Counties don't get a pass either, you know, because I was in San Francisco County Jail and, um, you know, as progressive and everything, San Francisco leading the country and all that. Sometimes a disappointment. County Jail is one of them because in County Jail, they don't. Uh, the only thing they're they're assigning right now where you have to go is school. If you don't go to school, then then you're basically in the hole. You know, you're, you're in isolation and all that locked down 23 hours a day and all that. Um, but as far as labor, like people literally volunteer and that goes to but it's not volunteer when it's coerced because like what troy was saying right like people want to be out their cell they put you in your cell 23 hours a day no sunlight no nothing food is horrible they give you a tray that probably not even literally a 10 year old kid could survive on um and then they're like hey do you want to you know work do some you know some 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 labor around here. We'll give you an extra hour of being out of your cell and we'll give you extra food. I mean, that's not, is that voluntary when, you know, when you're faced with that? Like, you know, I'm, I'm hungry. I, I want some more food and, you know, I want extra time so I could get on outside of my cell so I could get on my, on the phone and talk to my family and all that. So anyways, uh, it's, uh, it's great that you guys are opening the space for for this conversation to happen and and to understand that you know you know people um, it's already enough that we get like for example um, we get either convicted or we we you know we we take uh, plea deals to say that we're guilty and you know we're doing our time we're paying our our, our debt to society but on top of that you know then we get you know taken advantage of and abused by the system so um, that's not fair it literally says that you know cruel and unusual punishment it says in the constitution you know um it, it's not you know we don't do that but we are doing it so 
anyway, that's my piece. Thank you guys for listening. And thanks for sharing, Marvin. You brought up a lot of really interesting, really important points. One thing I, w- I want to ask, and I-, I hope it doesn't come off as a, as a as a bad question, but I'm curious who who is working. Is it as you mentioned, you know, some folks don't make the cut, but is it do you have to be there for a specific amount of time to be working? Do you is it everybody? So if you wouldn't mind just shedding some light there. Yeah, so they they um so so like I said, there's two experiences for me for county jail because I fought my case in county jail. So I was there for three years. So I, I was able to see a lot of that. So so in county jail literally um is competitive to um um goes to another thing Troy was saying that to try to pin people against each other, right? So if there's only a few five jobs in the in the pod that has you know, a hundred people and they all want an extra hour out of their cell and they all want a little bit of uh, extra tray, a little bit of food is going to get competitive, you know? So then it's going to be up to the CO and this and that. So, and that's a, a way of manipulation and also like uh psychological, like I would say torture. And then in count in, in, in prison, um, it literally is that like when you get in, they, they, you know, they do the physicals and all that and they're already planning, you know, what you're going to do. And then, you know, they let you sit for a while. This is everybody coming through reception. And when you go to your prison where you're going to be housed at, they let you sit till a job opens up in what you're going to be doing, whether it be porter in the kitchen, you know, or whatever, a little bit more skilled jobs or whatever. And they let you sit there and, you know, you know, you'll be, you know, two, three, four, five months waiting for a job. And you're the only one inside your cell. Everybody's outside, you know, uh, able to take showers outside their cell and, you know, do all this and that, use the phones. And so you're like, you know, you're like, you're, you're almost like, it's almost like a Stockholm syndrome. It's almost like, please, please let me out. I'll be good. You know, like I'll work, I'll work for you, master, you know? So anyway. Wow. Also, like, I'd want to point out what we're talking about, you know, what, Marvin brought up about, you know, how everybody is not fit. So they have this labor force and sometimes, you know, people fall through the cracks. We have mentally, severely mentally disturbed individuals um, that end up in positions and they cannot perform the duties, right? They cannot um, meet the demand for the labor. And so they're punished in that aspect too. And then economically, let's also talk about this free labor force. How much would these communities benefit if everything that they are forcing us to do, they had to actually hire community members to come in and do, you know what I'm saying? And then, and then also when we're talking, we're bringing up the, the, the question of, of fair wages, you know, um, let's let's also keep in mind, you know, that there were people like Troy that um, had these um, amazing jobs with this amazing skill. And there, if we're going to talk about fair wages, you know, let's also make sure that these people that have these skilled labor jobs um, are compensated. You know, because uh, of course we we would want to start at a minimum wage and have that conversation after this is passed. But let's let's make sure that the people that are in these dangerous positions, people that are engineers inside the prison, are are being compensated for that. Yeah, there's even because there's even like you know like the law clerks and 
you know, there's different clerks for, for, for different things that do a lot of paperwork or stuff that do a lot of legal work. I know some, uh, some legal law clerks in prison that are like not any top notch lawyer socks off out here. Cause they, they do the work. You know what I mean? They got nothing but time to read, devour the, the files. They got boxes and boxes and, and they'll hook you up and, 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 and they, if they get people out and they, you know, they, I've seen them, you know, um, overturn people's case, like all kinds of stuff. I mean, Alyssa is involved in a lot of that work now, and you know, I'm I'm barely getting my feet wet with participatory defense, and I'm able to see like how we can, um, you know, like me, I don't trust lawyers, you know, like ever since I went to prison for ten years because my lawyer, like, really didn't defend me, and he, by the way, he was a paid lawyer. Um, I don't put my 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 life in lawyers' hands like that anymore. Like they're there as the point of reference for the court and all that, and to, to give me advice. But I tell them what to do, you know, and because you know. But anyway, um, so yeah, so there's a lot of 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 work that that you know that that's highly skilled. And let's not forget about the people that fight the fires and all that. I mean, how many, how much money do firefighters, firefighters, you know, um, um make and how many of them in certain communities don't even see a fire for probably maybe probably not even their whole career i don't know but the people in prison they're they're they will see action because they will get called out front lines and you know they have nothing to show for. yeah yeah every time that every time nine times out of ten um california firefighters that are incarcerated are placed on the front lines and um while we bring that up i'd like to bring up the fact that not two years ago, there was a young woman on a fire line out of uh, CIW, and she notified the sergeant in charge that was a CDC officer that um, that we had um, a, a dangerous situation, and not not a half an hour later, she was killed by um, oncoming rockfall from being on the front line of a fire. So these are these are dangerous, high skilled, you know, kind of positions that people are holding. That are that are saving lives and should be valued in that way. Uh, and mind you, um, those people that are on those fire lines cannot come out and work for Cal Fire out here. They're not eligible to do that. I could just point out CDCR's budget too is four, fourteen billion dollars y'all annually. So fourteen billion dollars that their budget is, yet they still have to resort to underpaying people or not paying people at all. Um, to, to run the everyday operation of the prison and to contract out uh, to other, uh, you know what I'm saying, companies that exploit people's labor. So, um, yeah, I, I did also, because this show is called Policy-Wise, right, make sure that folks know exactly um, where the policy is going. Um, it is a constitutional amendment, y'all, so it has moved through the legislature. It was introduced last year, ACA3, um, and it moved through the Assembly last year. It, it has uh, navigated the uh, Senate this year. Um, we were actually just present at the Capitol to to um, to uh, advocate and, and uh, make sure that our voice was heard uh, last Tuesday, I think, uh, when it was in Senate Public Safety. Yeah. Um, and so it did pass that and it has one more uh, committee to clear and then the Senate floor. Um, and it'll be um, as long as it um, clears those two things before June 30th, um, it'll officially be um, ready for the ballot in November. And so Though um, it's not official yet, um, we're putting it out there in the universe. You know what I mean? We, we have faith that it is going to pass. Um, and really, we're starting to uh, build the infrastructure to, uh, while we're here, to build awareness and 
uh, mobilize um, our network, you know what I mean, to, to lead on this effort. Similarly, all of us or none were, were instrumental in passing Prop 17 a couple years ago, which reinstated uh, the right to vote for people on parole. And so those 50,000 people that got uh, re-enfranchised. And so um, it's just really an honor, man, to, to work for an organization that was really leading the way in this type of, this type of struggle. I just appreciate everything that um, that was being said, you know, about the labor, like especially I think Marvin brought up some really good points because I was finna dive in and just start throwing because we got electricians, we got plumbers, you know, legal beagles. You got people who go in and they fix the whole plumbing system for their prison. They fix the whole any electrical problem, any cabling systems like they do that, like every any conceivable job that you can name. You know, and, and, and sometimes they say, oh, they're just picking up trash from the yard. Well, actually, they call that waste management technicians nowadays, right? Like people people get paid big money to, to do that kind of stuff now. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you guys are doing wonderful work, and hopefully ACA does get placed on the ballot. But um, as Marvin, as you brought up earlier, ACA 3 is a lot just to do with language in the California Constitution, but obviously this is a very, very deep and ingrained system and one that's not talked about publicly the way it should be. So what are some next steps that we need to see to actually start to break down this system and break down this structure that is so ingrained? Because obviously a language change in the Constitution is very important, but what are some of the tangible things that we need to be pushing for on the ground as well? If I could say, um, well, just following the example of folks that are organized, like in Colorado, Utah, and Nebraska, they were able to amend their constitution already, right? And so as Marvin pointed out, um, for their prison system, that wasn't the end of forced labor, but what that did allow is for folks inside to organize. And so um, in Colorado, if you look it up, there's a lot of litigation going on right now because the inmates, uh, the folks inside are saying, hey, you know what, we have a right to be compensated and we have a right to have our labor be honored and um, you know, get a fair wage. And so um, they have started that litigation and they have a legal leg to stand on, but um, it's gonna take a whole lot more organizing. Obviously we wanna affect next the federal constitution because that will obviously you know, set the precedent for the whole nation. Uh, but more than that, you know, we, we really work, it's in our name, abolish bondage collectively. We really wanna work towards the abolition uh, uh, a framework, you know what I mean? A framework that doesn't depend on prisons for the answer to societal problems, um, uh, uh, somewhere that honors, um, you know, the struggle of formerly and, and formerly and currently incarcerated people and allows us to lead. Um, but I think that um, some of the steps are really from here affecting the federal constitution and really supporting uh, some of the, the big time uh, legislation that's being put out there. There's a, a bill currently to um, try to raise the gate money that Marvin had just mentioned, SB 1304, um, there's bills uh, to actually raise, I don't know the name of the bill right now, but to actually create a minimum wage for folks that are working inside. Uh, that bill has been introduced this year. And so we need to really just be putting our, our support behind those, uh, those bills and, and the organizations and the organizers that are, that are uh, you know, advocating for those bills. So Yeah, that, that, I would say the same thing. Like um, we have, um, as you can see, some passionate people here that, um, we, we like dive into what, this is like what we do, you know, like all day long, we think policy, we breathe policy, you know, and we like, we're on capital track, we're on everything, keeping track of it. So, um, the, you know, the general public that wants to support doesn't have to do that. So 
I would say like try to find like an org um near you that does this kind of work and just support them like the mere fact like when we, brother john was saying and we went to showed up to the capitol like we had people volunteers from the community that just like hey i support the cause like i want to go with you and we went there deep it wasn't just us you know it was community members that wanted to join and that's literally all it takes is just support if it just seems very grassroots but if you're just a support support your orgs you know volunteer you know, pass the word around, you know, open up uh, conversations like this for to educate people like it's very grassroots, but that's literally what it takes because we're going to do we're going to we're going to get our hands dirty. We're going to dive in there and we're going to get, you know, because they be trying to use like when we're in there and we're telling our stories like we're doing here and all that. And we're trying to tell them why we support it. They're going to use their little sneaky words and their little sneaky, you know, language to try to put us down. And, you know, well, well, you guys are criminals and all that narrative and, you know. You know, well, what about the victims and all that, you know, and, and that's something else that has been addressed that has nothing to do with current issues that, that we speak of. So um, even though, you know, we're going to get our hands dirty and we're going to do all that. So I would just say besides voting, just support your orgs. If I mean, just showing up. I know there's a lot of people that also like donate, you know, and that goes a long way. So, yeah, if you want to get involved, get involved because this is the best time. I mean, we progressive. I know the younger generation like you guys, Michael, Ellie, you know, you guys are so passionate. I love that the younger generation is so like, you know, uh, I, I don't want to say woke, but <laughs> I can't find you guys are like so in tune. <laughs> so in tune to like what's happening. Like you're worried about, you know your elders, you're worried about your future, you're worried about the plan, and I really commend you guys. And, you know, so like I said, just tell your, all the other young people, just, just show up, show up, that's it. Right, and, and and along that line, could we just say that, like, even though, you know, we feel strongly that, you know, people, that this thing is gonna make it through the hurdles that they need to go through in order to make it to the, the ballot um, in November, we're still asking for people to increase awareness about it to go out like let's we need to overwhelm um um this the system with 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 the fact that people um are aware of the issues and that that we're gonna come out and we're gonna support the issues appropriately one one thing i i would say um is highly recommended i would do some fundraising and i would hold my own uh, my own organization and the people that I work for a little bit of, uh, accountable as well. Um, if I if I didn't work for Dorsey and I work somewhere else, I would definitely try to hold my employer accountable, right? So we have uh, plenty of things coming up right now. And um, Geronimo can tell you a little bit more about the events that we have coming up. And I would just challenge y'all to come out and stand with us, you know? Talk, talk to your boss, see if they'll fly you out, see if you can come be a part of it. You know, it's one thing to talk about it, but it's another thing to be about it, you know? And um, uh, I, I would just challenge everyone to put their money where their mouth is because, um, you know, we're not coming out to Sacramento for free, you know? Um, you know, somebody's got to pick up that bill. So, um, yeah, so that's just an open-ended challenge to y'all at PolicyWise. And um, Geronimo, why don't you tell them about what we got going on when we're going to the Capitol next? <laughs> Hey, well, we we stay we stay going to the Capitol, y'all. But um, we have a we have an annual Quest for Democracy, which is our big um, uh, lobby uh, lobby event that we do annually. And so um, we show up at the Capitol. The last two years, we weren't able to do it in person, obviously, because of uh, COVID and stuff. But this year, we are going to be back in person, um, August, I believe, seventh and eighth. But I'll, I'll get that, those dates to y'all so that you could um, you know share with the public. But 
Um, it's the largest, uh, the largest mobilization of formerly incarcerated people um, in the state. Um, and we show up at the Capitol. We have legislative visits with all of the different assembly members and senators. Uh, we lay out our policy proposals on the table. Um, and then we just mobilize with all of our network, man. And, and usually it's like literally hundreds and hundreds of people. And, and the first time that people experience it, they're just blown away uh, with the amount of uh, empowerment that goes down. And, um, you know, the, the capital community really seeing like, man, these people are forced to be reckoned with. Um, they may have been, um, you know, hopeless at one time or seemed that way sitting in a cell. Um, a lot of my comrades here, um, you know, at one point or another even had life sentences, man. So talk about hopeless but we're able to, um, you know, uh, we're able to navigate their way home and are out here really uh, creating a difference now for the folks that um, they left behind. And so, man, super proud uh, of, of all of, you know, the folks that I work with, super proud of y'all as well for allowing us uh, to come on here and talk about these important issues. I, I just want to say really quickly, I'm sorry, just really quickly, uh, on June um, 18th, uh, we're going to be celebrating Juneteenth. We actually 18th right. and 19th. We're going to have um, throughout the Bay Area. We're going to be tabling all of us or none legal services for prisoners with children. Me personally, I'm going to be in Richmond at uh, uh, Cole Park uh, on the 18th. And that's from uh, 1130 a.m. to 4 p.m. So remember, we were talking about support and showing up show up, you know, because we're going to be educating people. We're going to have literature on ACA3 and all that and some of the other bills that we're working on and, um, you know, spreading the word. A lot of people don't even know what Juneteenth is, you know, so, you know, come out and we, we educate the, you know, the, the community in that way. And also going back to Sacramento on the 21st, I'm working on the uh, in a coalition, I said, of California, we has to do with immigration and CDC and all that is uh, uh, SB 937. Uh, AB 937, we're going we're gonna to go and uh, we wrote a letter. We're going to go personally hand deliver it to Gavin Newsom, like literally probably not hand deliver, but we're going to take it over there and we're going to have a rally and we're going to have our voices heard. Um, so again, you know, anybody's welcome to come out, support, make some noise with us, you know, and man, I love you guys, man. I love you guys already. We need, we need y'all. To, to spread the voice, you know, because I'm, you know, I'm thinking people that hear this, um, there's going to be somebody in there that's going to be like, you know what, man, I'm going to go mess with those people over there. I'm going to go, I'm going to go over there. Hey, if, if, uh, if, if Troy, if I can pass it to Troy real quick, uh, bro, if you want to talk about the Juneteenth uh, social media toolkit and some of the stuff we got planned. So I just want to say this to y'all. Worse, you know, it's a, you know, you guys are a youth, like, leadership organization, right? And so change is only gonna, ain't real change. We can get up and we can try to push all the policy that we want to and do all that other stuff. But if you guys aren't taking it back to your friends and your community and having them real deep grassroots conversations, then the work we're doing is not gonna be sustainable without you guys like boots on the ground, right? Like without you guys at the dinner table, right? Talking to your folks, talking to your people, talking to, um, the people that you come in contact with about what you see and about this conversation and the wisdom that you heard from everybody um, here today. So um, we're 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 leading uh, a social media campaign. So you know, follow us at All of Us and None on Instagram, on Facebook, on Twitter. Um, we're uh, our mission, our goal is to um, have everybody share their narratives about what they see. Um, around um, uh, the involuntary servitude or around oppression 
or around slavery um, in this in this in this country. So and it it doesn't like so our goal is to have a blackout on Juneteenth. So our goal is to have um, everybody blackout their um, their social media page, all of our members, you know, everybody who agree with our philosophy and what we're trying to do around this issue is to black it out with our logo, with all of us and none and our ABC uh, logo to show support um, and share stories, right? The story doesn't have to be your own personal experience, but you see how these systems affect people in this country. And so in order for us to raise awareness, we need you guys to help us in an effort to raise awareness. And we're going to be using on um, the hashtags, all of us and none. We're going to be using the hashtags, abolish bondage collectively. And we're going to be using the hashtags, fight for freedom. And then we're asking everybody to stand in solidarity with us on that day um, to, to, you know, if anything that you've learned from Hieronimo, from Alyssa, uh, from Marvin, you know, from myself today, um, and, and you guys are, are already pretty much aware uh, yourselves. If anything that your listeners hear um, that they can agree with, we're asking them to stand in solidarity with us on that day to follow us on social media and to post um, with us so that we can um, continue to raise awareness on these subjects. And thank you for sharing that. You know, I appreciate all of you for sharing your work your stories. I'm hoping our listeners are taking note of all the good things happening, uh, but then also taking note of the real world that that surrounds them, right? These are things that a lot of people don't think about on a day-to-day basis unless you're affected by it, and that's part of the major issues. Uh, ballot measures are not easy to pass. I want to make sure that folks are, are very clear mm-hmm. on that. This is not an easy right. undertaking, especially a constitutional amendment. So I, I just want right. I wanna, to, to give y'all props for even taking this on ACA three. We done took on, on worse. We we done <laughs> took on worse. We come from the trenches. We we. <laughs> right. I just want to say congratulations. You know, in thank advance, you uh, of all the great work. And, and you all actually took the words out of my mouth. I was gonna ask our our class of final question is, is kind of what would you say to young people? You already said it. You know, you said donate. You said travel. <laughs> ask your boss. We we have a long list of things. Uh, for young people to do so just want to just want to thank you for for coming on policy wise uh and joining us today yes thank you all thank you great conversation thank you you so much for having us thank you guys this was policy wise an intergenerational podcast by youth leadership institute focused on bringing young people into the policy conversation don't forget to follow us on instagram facebook and twitter at policy wise pod if you have any questions or topics you'd like us to discuss Please slide into our DMs or send us an email at policywise at yli.org. And stay tuned for upcoming episodes.